Hey listeners, I'm your host, Daniel Schroeder, and this is the Biotech and Breweries podcast. Each episode, I'll share a beer or two from one of San Diego's best breweries with a leader from the biotech community as we try to make sense of the science behind some of the amazing biotech companies that call San Diego home. For this episode, I spent some time talking with Eric and Steph Van Watson, and we had a fascinating conversation while we tried a few beers from modern times. Our conversation led us through where Eric and Steph got their starts and how their unique paths and Steph's time spent studying Navy dolphins led them to an exciting discovery and the launch of their companies, EpiTracker and Serafina Therapeutics. Steph and Eric, it's great to see you guys. Thanks for coming on the Biotech and Breweries podcast. Great. Thanks, Daniel. It's great to be here. Uh, excited. Yeah, I'm excited too. It's been really fun to kind of get to know you guys and to learn you know, your backstory and what you're doing with your company. But first, as you guys know, we've got some beers from Modern Times Brewery, which, which I think, as you've said, it happens to be right in your backyard in Point Loma. So I'm curious to know if you guys have tried any of these or if you have type of beer that you occasionally like to choose. Yeah, this is my first taste of any Modern Times beer. Believe it being in the neighborhood. So super excited uh, for this moment. And I have to say, I am a sucker for sours, which is can be a big advantage because usually no one at the table <laughs> wants a sour. <laughs> so, yeah, so I'm super, so I'm going to try it now while Eric shares his his preference. And I am excited for the coffee stout. Yeah. I really like those. I, you know, we, mm-hmm. um, we do partake in beer uh, on occasion and we live, you know, very close to modern times and to stone. So those yep. are uh, fun places to go, but uh, it's, it's rare that I have a coffee stout. Uh, so it sounds like a, a fun one to try. So yeah. I, just- I think, I think San Diego is kind of, as the brewery scene here has grown, it's become known for the kind of the stronger hoppy IPAs, but there's a, there's a lot of variety out there. So I I tried to choose a few that maybe you hadn't tried that are kind of off the beaten path. So we, we've got the tropical pale ale called fortunate islands. That that's kind of maybe the closest thing to the more traditional, like San Diego style beer, if you want to call it that. But then, as you mentioned, we have the black house coffee stout and then the fruitlands ghosts. So that's a sour kind of tropical beer, which doesn't really taste like a beer actually when you have it you wouldn't really if someone didn't if you didn't drink it out of a beer can you may not know that it's a beer but yeah it's good and it's definitely it's interesting because it's sour and tropical and that's sour and tropical (laughs) i'm getting both of them just as just as promised Mm -hmm. on the the yeah all all of these are are delicious yeah good well so you know obviously try them while we're talking and then at the end i'm gonna see if you guys have a favorite or see if there's any that that maybe you'd rule out as a uh, but we'll circle back on that in a few minutes. Before we get started, so this is I've done a few episodes. This is the first time where I've had two guests. And there's obviously a good reason for the two of you joining together. So husband and wife team, that's the first question I had. What, what's that like kind of working together and, and uh, you're, you're working from home together. So you're in very close quarters. What's that like? Yeah, well, there's a huge advantage, right? Because it's truly a 24-7 operation here, um, which uh, everyone gets to enjoy the productivity of what happens when, especially during COVID, when we're in together. I think when we first started, of Eric, share his side, we were (laughs) figuring out like, 
how the different roles we play and how it works. And I have to tell you, Daniel, like pretty quickly, we found our sweet spots of wonderfully what we like doing different things. We complement each other. And it's just been an amazing adventure that I, I truly can't imagine doing this without Eric. It's It's been a blast. And that's that's a, that's really great. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> uh, you know, this is not something I think um, I could have done in in the past. I think you know our careers. We've we've done enough things and we've grown enough in our lives and careers that you know now is is an ideal time to be you know starting and growing companies as a husband wife team. And it's actually. Yeah, I tell you, it's it's easier than I had anticipated um, because you know the roles um, are actually fairly easy to define, which is really interesting, right? So it's we just kind of you know fall into a who does what. It doesn't need to be pres- prescriptive. It's more like let's just get the work done and yep. divvy up the tasks and make it happen. And that's I think with small businesses, uh, that's a lot of times kind of the way it works. It's not you can't be too concerned about whether or not a task falls into your job role or not. It's like everyone's got to roll up their sleeves and get whatever it, it takes done in order to be successful. Yeah, that's exactly right. So I'd, I'd love to hear a little bit about each of your backgrounds because you, you just kind of touched on there's been a path that's gotten you to where you are today. And I think there's probably it's probably different paths in some ways. So I'd love to hear both of you just kind of give a quick summary of of, where, of your background and kind of how you got to the point where that you are now. Okay, great. Stephanie's pointing at me. So <laughs> I, I actually grew up in Poway. And so I'm a Powegian and there wasn't much but uh, cows and country at that time, yep. which is now a Mecca. But uh, after, after growing up in Poway, going to college, I actually joined the military um, and they helped pay for medical school. I actually went to a call called school called USIS which was the only military medical school. And it was uh, Naval Academy, you know, the West Point uh, Air Force uh, Academy, and then a few random non-military people, including myself. And so it was a really incredible experience and, you know, got to do some very entrepreneurial endeavors. And so ended up, um, you know, being trained in uh, both orthopedic surgery and aerospace medicine. And, you know, I've been in the military now 24 years, uh, 16 of which active duty, I'm still a reservist. And I got to tell you, some of the most entrepreneurial things that I've ever done, uh, you know, have been in the military setting. Um, In fact, once I was the wing surgeon at, uh, at Miramar, the, you know, Marine Corps Air Station Miramar here, and I had a two star general uh, call me in his office and say, hey, we're deploying, we're going to war. I want you to take care of our Marines and sailors and don't jack it up. <laughs> and so we did. And, you know, it, it was it was very successful. Um, we created a medical system where one did not exist. And after that uh, endeavor, um, came back and, you know, got very interested in entre- being an entrepreneur. And uh, I got my MBA at Rady to help with that. Uh, I started a company called Expand Ortho with uh, Dr. Kalwan Delima, my mentor is in orthopedic surgery, um, which was later acquired and uh, worked for a portfolio company of Sequoia called Airstrip. Okay. Uh, first digital health company. Uh, that was a great learning experience. Traveled around and talked to many of the uh, chief medical officers and big hospital systems in the United States. Um, and then uh, also applied for the Kaufman Fellows Program and got it. Uh, and um, 
ended up uh, working for a company rather than doing that fellowship, but I'd really like to do that sometime in the future. And, you know, we then started our own companies, um, the first being EpiTracker, um, which I'm sure we'll talk about, and the, the second, the spin-out company being Seraphina Therapeutics. Interesting. And so out of the things you just mentioned, I'll say thank you so much for the 16 years of service that you uh, that you went through. That We really appreciate that. Absolutely. Well, and, and you also mentioned, interesting to note, I don't think many people think of, you know, government or the military as somewhat of an entrepreneurial environment. But from what you said, it sounds like it kind of was where you kind of got thrown things thrown at you and you had to come up with ways to solve problems that maybe most people wouldn't expect to have gone through in a government type of a job. Right, right. And I agree with that. And in this case, there was really uh, no guidelines, <laughs> which was great because, you know, you um, you have a blank slate. And so it, it is what you what you make of it. You have the resources that you can tap into, um, but it's it's a blank slate. And so um, in that scenario, uh, you know, we brought in the resources that would be needed um, with the support of the Navy and Marine Corps and created an entire medical system, you know, out in a very austere environment. And, you know, from my standpoint, once once myself and my team could did that, I mean, the world is your oyster. <laughs> you, know, you can, that is, I think, still to this day, probably the most entrepreneurial thing I've, I've ever done. And those type of experiences, and certainly others in the military, um, are actually great uh, training events for a careers and entrepreneurial endeavors. That's great. And, and Steph, what about you? I'd love to hear kind of your, your history as well. Yeah, sure. And, and I will add, you know, with, with the military component that, you know, the entrepreneurial entrepreneurial spirit um, comes from you need to do things that work, um, try and do things that work. And if they don't work, you move on and you find another way. So it's all about translating it. So you don't have time and money to spend to experiment over things over decades, right? It's, it's about really the heart of it is about find translating um, discoveries and uh, uh, entrepreneurial activities into something that has a benefit. And I think that's played a big, a big role with, with us. So, um, yeah, so I am um, a data nerd, a geek for sure. Um, since birth, um, I used to um, go down in the basement of my house and, and we had these books. I don't know why we had them of, of um, zip codes and I would sit in the basement and find the codes, like the patterns that were between the different zip codes and circle them. <laughs> and this was like at the age of like six and seven. So I didn't really have a choice, but to well, go I have that. a six-year-old and I, that sounds like something that I would love for him to go do to keep himself busy sometimes, <laughs> but I don't know if he's into that. <laughs> oh, just because those old guides, right? That had zip codes. Oh my goodness. So um, yeah, so I, I, with that, love um, pattern recognition, solving problems, and um, it helps make up for all my other uh, weaknesses. <laughs> so um, I uh, became a veterinary epidemiologist. So I went to UC San Diego as an undergrad, very proud of that, and then um, went to Tufts um, University for a veterinary school. Um, to basically understand how diseases work in lots of different species instead of just one. And then went and got my um, master's in public health and epidemiology at Rollins in Atlanta, Georgia, where I worked at the CDC. So 
Um, from there, worked at CDC um, and as well as the World Health Organization as a veterinary epidemiologist and helped set up um, disease surveillance systems all over the world. It was amazing. And then about 20 years ago, I was asked by the U.S. Navy unexpectedly to help start and lead a clinical research program to continually improve the health and welfare of Navy dolphins. And I thought, wow, that would be really cool to do for a couple of years, um, especially since I think I shared um, I can't swim. And so the fact that I went to the Navy to spend time with dolphins was clearly not on the, on the set path, one of those great opportunities. Um, and then uh, basically that led to where EpiTracker and Serafina are today is just um, being given the gift to help improve the health and welfare of Navy dolphins have that happen and then have the added um, benefit of making discoveries that can help um, human health as well. And so where you were not in San Diego, I, I guess, when the opportunity to work with the dolphins came up, right? Yeah, I was in Atlanta at the time. Yeah, working. That's a, that's a very San Diego type of an opportunity. You don't get that. You don't get that in most of the country to work with Navy dolphins. So it's kind of ironic. I mean, you're a perfect fit for it. And you've got the San Diego history. So that, that that could I'm sure that was an exciting opportunity when it popped up. Yeah, absolutely. I had had no idea where it was going to take me, but and so glad that 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 opportunity popped up. What what was that work like? I think from what you've told me in past conversations, this was kind of a key step in the direction that you guys ended up taking to start your company was the work with the dolphins. So would you mind kind of elaborating on what that was like? Yeah, sure. You know, when I first showed up, I'll, I'll be honest with you, I didn't know how I'd feel about dolphins in the Navy, <laughs> um, you know, working together. And uh, the first day I was there, I'll never forget, I walked down the pier, sun was setting, and the dolphins were are, live in San Diego Bay. Um, they can come and go, um, basically, as they please. They work in the open ocean every day, and every day choose to come back. And they live 50% longer than dolphins in the wild. And after, um, again, with the gift of being able to work with these dolphins um, to help improve their health, um, really came to understand that the Navy really has an extraordinary program that cares for their dolphins. The reason they brought me in was to help improve dolphin health, not human health, and they are completely committed to it. And so because of the great care the Navy dolphins get, they live, as I had mentioned, 50% longer than dolphins in the wild. And that has resulted in an increasing number of geriatric dolphins at the Navy. And that's when the discoveries started happening, where we started seeing that as dolphins were getting older, some, but not all, just like in humans, were developing aging-associated diseases and conditions like high cholesterol and chronic inflammation, and even the full suite of changes in the brain consistent with Alzheimer's disease. So um, again, with the effort of wanting to improve Navy Dolphin Health, got to reach out to this amazing community in San Diego on the biotech and science side to say, hey, we're seeing these conditions. You're an expert in Alzheimer's. You're an expert in metabolic syndrome. And how can we help the dolphins? And it, what was wonderful was as we reached out to those scientists um, and physicians, they were um, really surprised, wonderfully surprised that here's a model, a long-lived 
large brain mammal who's developing the same conditions. And, and it became an incredibly unique opportunity where we could help the dolphins with their expertise. But in turn, the insights we were gaining from this amazing population were resulting in now um, over 200 discovered small molecules um, that can help improve both dolphin and human health. Yeah. Not to take us off topic here, but so how old, how long do dolphins typically, what's the typical life expectancy? And then how, much, how many more years are we are we talking about? Yeah, the, the average um, lifespan of a dolphin in the wild is uh, 20 years. And okay. so um, dolphins at the Navy uh, live, can live 50 to 60 years. And wow. so, you know, you're looking at doubling, if not tripling uh, lifespan at the Navy. And so just incredible insight of when you have everything controlled for with regard to their diet and healthcare and the environment, um, just enabling them to stay healthy and get old. Um, you know, it's, it's amazing the parallels that were. And that's, that's what makes them such an incredible population to study, right? Is because they do live so long, especially compared to their compadres in in the wild. And it'd be like uh, us, um, you know, going to our doctor every single day and not drinking beer and (laughs) not drinking coffee or going to fast food um, and getting labs all the time to make sure we're healthy and having everything documented in electronic medical records. Um, That type of population, um, certainly, you know, for as long as these dolphins have been cared for around 60 years, is just not, uh, not otherwise available to look at. And so what it's, why that's so interesting is because these animals are getting some of the same chronic diseases that we get, you know, metabolic syndrome, early Alzheimer's, that kind of thing. But, you know, compared to us, they don't uh, have some of the same vices. So now this gives us a really good understanding to the pathophysiology of those diseases that you could potentially never find in humans because drinking beer and drinking coffee. We're too noisy. Yeah. Yeah, well, humans are, are, it's too difficult to completely control behavior over a period of time, I would imagine, where with dolphins, it's a little bit easier. And so, so you mentioned, uh, Steph, so you put a team together, you you were able to have access to to experts in a variety of fields that you thought could help analyze why these dolphins, these geriatric dolphins are starting to have long-term health issues. What what was, what was that like? And what did the research find? Yeah, it was such a wonderful part of the journey to be able to San Diego is a very open community where it's it's well known that if you want to talk to somebody no matter what their status or where they're in in most cases you you're able to to get to them I had the added bonus of like so I'm working with dolphins (laughs) and so and I think they're getting the same diseases so um it was great because we really had the ability to talk with anyone and everyone Um, and San Diego communities just has been amazing and so you know as we we spent probably about, you know, five to eight years just documenting uh, the similarities between humans and dolphins and publishing it. And because, you know, it's, it was okay to find one thing, but then when we found another and another, another, it really became real, right. As, as far as a a model for aging, um, this population for aging. So from there, we were then able to apply um, advanced technologies that are available like metabolomics and genomics, to then go into this archive that that Eric was referencing that 
dolphins, in order to assess their health routinely as part of their routine health care, the Navy takes blood from the dolphins, um, in which it's pretty amazing. They stick their tail out of the water, blood gets drawn, and they get a fish and, and off they go. <laughs> so it's very easy for them. Um, yep. So they do that as often as once a month and as um, rarely as four times a year. And so they had this routine blood data as well as the archived samples throughout the dolphins' entire lifetimes. So we were able to go in, access the um, serum, the archive serum from um, the dolphins in this longitudinal cohort, and then be able to run metabolomics and genomics to be able to look at changes in small molecules in the blood, as well as the genes that predicted which dolphins were healthy agers versus poor agers. And so that's resulted in a handful of, um, of publications, ones with Doc uh, Nick Shork um, that we published in PNAS about dolphin aging rates, slow versus fast aging dolphins. And most importantly, um, because the dolphins' blood data were so clean that somebody like me, who um, you know has pretty rudimentary uh, statistical <laughs> epidemiological models from like the 1960s, right, <laughs> could apply those without needing AI and all these other things to basically find out of the thousands of small molecules in the blood, which ones looked predictive of better health. So then we moved those into the lab and tested them for activity. And that's what brought us to where we are today. And so where you are today, so you, you guys um, are running a company called Serafina Therapeutics. The, the backbone of kind of where the company started is, is what you just described. It's this, uh, this opportunity to work with dolphins and, and the research that came from that. So how did, how did you guys turn that research into a company and kind of what has that, where have you guys brought that company to, to this point? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so okay. I'm going to be talking too much. You're just drinking. I think I think Eric's just drinking the beer. He's just enjoying the beer. Um, so um, yeah, so we started with EpiTracker, um, which, as you mentioned, Daniel's the the parent company. We have a cooperative research agreement with the Navy to continue to um, basically mine these data, um, unparalleled data, with a primary intent with the Navy to help continue improve dolphin health, understanding that there's a spinoff benefit to public health. So with that, um, with those molecules, now we had 200, we screened 100, and we've identified some lead contenders. We get both um, Department of Defense funding to research um, grant money. Um, right now, about 5.5 million to understand um, the array of molecules. And then from there, then we look at the ones that if they get far enough toward promise of commercialization and true benefit to human health and animal health, we then move it into um, spin-out companies. And so our first is um, Serafina with our um, our baby, our first um, kid <laughs> molecule of C15, also called pentadecanoic acid. That's amazing. And so a lot of times, you know, when companies are at their you know, starting point, Funding is the hardest thing to come by. It's a really hard thing when you're when you have a concept, but if there's you know you've no proof of concept. I guess it's it's difficult to get funding. So you guys kind of were able to to leverage the military connection to kind of get the company off the ground and and do the research and and then look for opportunities to spin into other other opportunities. Which that sounds that sounds amazing. 
Yeah, we, we had a, a great opportunity um, because a lot of the original work um, was done um, in the Navy with and then with EpiTracker with both grant funding and friends and family money, <laughs> So, which was outstanding. I mean, our friends and family allowed us to do this, which we would never have done without that. So um, that was spectacular. And then EpiTracker really has become an IP generating machine. Like we can, you know, make discoveries and we have a lot of intellectual property. And then those get spin out into other companies such as Serafina. So we created Serafina to be very investor friendly. And so we actually, we had been working for a while with Kim Kamdar from Domain. Mm -hmm and others and Kim is amazing and so with myself uh, Nick Short one of the leaders in the world in nutrition and longevity Kim and and of course Steph um, we met every week for like two years before before we got funding and it was just discussing you know the science and the technology and how to move this forward and what it would look like and what we would need and how much funding and so to make a long story short after that two years we um, we had an investing round of 6.2 million or um, a round that was led by domain that had other investors as well. And that really kickstarted this company. And where a lot of that was spent was, um, you know, on the research, but really on now developing this molecule we'll talk about, um, C15 and odd chain saturated fatty acids into something that could be brought to the world to improve global health. This is a molecule that has been around for a while, but no one had made it into something you could ingest. <laughs> it didn't, it's not like you can go to the store corner, the street corner, you know, or bonds and get C15. So we had to develop the molecule in a very sustainable and scalable way and, you know, get all the regular, meet all the regulatory requirements, do all the studies, and then bring that out to the world. So that was um, a lot of the focus of the series A round. So you found a way to, to kind of convert this research into something that's applicable to humans. Exactly. So, so what is the deficiency that C15 potentially solves for, I guess, in, in layman's terms, if that's, yeah. if that's possible? Yeah, absolutely. So interestingly, while we were discovering that dolphins with lower C15 in their blood and in their diet um, were poor agers, and then when we gave them fish that had a C15 in it, because not all fish have C15. When we gave them a diet fortified with C15, we saw aging related conditions like high cholesterol and high insulin and high iron go down. Um, so resolve. And so um, while that discovery was being made, it ends up that we as humans were going through our own 40 year um, experiment on C15, um, primarily not from fish, but from butter and whole fat milk. So our primary source of C15, it's an odd chain saturated fat, which is a really important part of the story, right? That here we are bringing a saturated fat discovered from dolphins um, to improve global health um, that uh, is present in, like it's whole fat milk and butter. And so, you know, back in the 1970s, we um, basically, the recommendations were to reduce the amount of saturated fats in our diet that still uh, is around today, those recommendations, um, in order to decrease heart disease, um, uh, sp specifically men that were um, dying from heart attacks um, at, at the time and still continue today. Um, instead of getting healthier, right, we as a country, we, we successfully decreased our whole fat milk and butter intake. So therefore our C15 intake 
through those recommendations, but instead of getting healthier, we as a population, as world, have gotten sicker. So more obesity, more um, diabetes, heart disease, liver disease, especially among younger and younger people. And so the science that had been happening in addition to what we were finding in the dolphins were that study after study in Japan and Mexico and Europe and um, United States and China were all showing the same thing, which was higher levels of a specific type of saturated fat called even chain saturated fats, which are the most common in butter and whole fat milk were associated with these diseases. However, they all have this line in the abstract that said, interestingly, higher levels of these trace odd chain saturated fatty acids like C15 were associated with a decreased risk of the very diseases we're trying to treat. And so Eric had mentioned about going into the lab with C15. We were the first that instead of just saying higher C15s associated with better health, we were the first to say, and maybe it's the COTS. So we went to the lab, um, did eight um, studies over three years, held them all (laughs) until we knew we were sure because we were about to say a saturated fat's good for you. Um, So we brought on Ed Dennis from UCSD, expert, world expert in fatty acids. And we ended up publishing um, just last year, all I did at the studies in scientific reports, a nature publication, not only demonstrating that C15 is active and beneficial, but that it's meeting the criteria of the first essential fatty acid to be discovered in 90 years. So that was a really long answer, Daniel, to- No, that's a great answer though. If it's essential, it means that our bodies need it to maintain our health. We've taken our primary source of C15 out of our diet, which has then driven these um, deficiencies, population-wide deficiencies in C15, which um, we believe the hypothesis and the data study support that lower C15 increases the risk of type two diabetes, of heart disease, um, and even earlier death. And so um, this whole work and all this discovery among our advisors changed from, you know, what they characterize as exciting science to a moral obligation to get this discovery out to the world. And so that's what we're doing with you today. <laughs> so, I mean, there there is a product out in the world called, I can't believe it's not butter which like there's this whole kind of industry that's been built around avoiding these, these types of fats that it's kind of funny to be able to say now that the naturally occurring product, like the whole milk that wasn't manipulated or just butter by itself is ends up maybe being better for you than these products that were kind of created with, with the goal of being healthy. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? I mean, this is iatrogenic, meaning we did it to ourselves. We created a deficiency in this molecule. Um, And so, you know, we've been paying the the price for that. And so, you know, I, I think it's in nutrition in general, it's very hard to make a blanket statement that any of these molecules, all of them are bad for you. Any class of molecules are all bad for you. And so what we found is basically, hey, not all saturated fats are bad. Some are actually good for you. There's some that are bad. (laughs) There's some that are actually good for you and some that may actually be essential for your health. So when we were looking at it, we actually found this class of molecules called OCFAs, which are odd chain saturated fatty acids. And then by doing those studies, Seth mentioned, you know, over time, we honed down to which one was the Goldilocks molecule, which one was the actual essential part that you need in your diet that your body can't make. And that's how we came up with 
with C15. So, and we've, you know, what we're trying to do now around that molecule is, is create a movement, create a global movement where, you know, the world will hopefully soon, you know, realize that, hey, not all saturated fats are bad for you. Some are good for you. And this molecule is really important uh, for our health, um, you know, to be something that you can drink in milk, something that you can, you know, eat if you eat the skin and head of a fish. That's how the dolphin gets it. Um, but if you're if you're vegan or if you don't want to drink, you know, whole fat milk because of the sugar or the other bad, you know, saturated fats or other things in it, you can take, you know, an ingredient, a supplement um, or a food fortifier of C15 and still have that benefit. And so we're, we're who should consider buying the supplement or who should consider supplementing and is it available in stores? Like how, how could someone get it if they need it? If it's an essential fatty acid, right. Then it means everyone needs it. So that was a really big question, right? And, yeah, and the big question is like, Hey, I drink whole fat milk. I eat cheese. I'm speaking for myself. <laughs> and so I know I'm not C15 deficient. And so do I really need it? Um, so it was, you know, it was a big question. And so we, um, you know, spent a couple of years creating the, the manufacturing process for a vegan friendly, sustainable C15, pure C15 powder. Um, and so that's, you know, that's what's now currently available um, as a daily supplement called Fatty 15, because we wanted to be able to force the conversation about people's um preconceptions around the word fat and fatty, it tends to go negative. Um, so we're at least trying to um, be part of the movement of neutralizing the word fat to say some are good, some are bad, but let's not throw all that whole word um, and that term into, into the negative uh, arena. Category. Yeah. So we wanted to, to force the conversation um, and own it. Um, and so we called it fatty 15. So it's available as a direct to consumer, um, supplement at, um, fatty15.com. Ooh, got that plug in. So, um, but you know, I think, um, most importantly, so who should take it? Um, you know, we have, we found, and that's what we published in the scientific reports paper that it appears to target specific hallmarks of aging. And so, you know, when we first came out and specifically it, it repairs mitochondria, it makes our cell membranes stronger and it helps improve cellular signaling. And all of those are hallmarks of aging, which is amazing that we can now define aging beyond wrinkles, right? And so there are a lot of um, exciting companies that are targeting these different hallmarks. C15 targets um, multiples of them. And it appears that, you know, C15 wasn't discovered before because a lot of the studies are being done in short-lived um, you know, models, animals, mice, and worms, and flies. And it really kind of took the dolphin model to highlight the importance of C15 specifically for long-lived species. So with regard to the aging, we first, you know, went and said, gosh, this will be beneficial for people who are feeling the pain points of aging. And we have gotten that. In fact, our oldest consumers are the most, um, are the biggest uh, avid fans of Fatty 15. It's been amazing to hear their stories. But we're also realizing that on the other end of the spectrum, C15 deficiencies may be driving accelerated aging in younger, younger people because of the deficiencies. So we're starting with the 35 and plus set, but now we're starting to move into working with folks um, like um, Dr. Jeff Schwimmer at Rady Children's Hospital. Um, he's evaluating the potential that C15 deficiencies are causing fatty liver disease. Um, in children, present in one in 10 kids today, the number one cause, cause of liver cancer in kids. And he's evaluating the 
um, the potential that C15 deficiencies are driving it. And he's leading independently a clinical trial with fatty 15 um, to see uh, if it can cause um, help result in physiological changes um, supportive of um, the benefits. And one of the things that the dolphins couldn't tell us right? Was that they were feeling better if they had higher levels of C15 or they were sleeping better or something like that. We knew that their general health, their metabolic syndrome, their anemia, you know, the parameters Steph mentioned um, with regards to cholesterol panel and liver enzymes and CVC, all those things improved. We knew that, but it took getting this into, you know, a few thousand people um, to get the report back that, hey, you know, two thirds of people are having near, feeling near-term benefits. So meaning they're sleep is improved. They're feeling uh, more energy. Um, they're snacking less. This is a, you know, saturated fat with no calories. So it makes sense. And, you know, these things make sense with the mechanism, which, you know, we can, stuff can go into, but, you know, so now, you know, the question is, you know, who needs this? So, you know, really anyone can benefit from it. And this is an important part of anyone's diet. As Steph mentioned, we are targeting the modern adult. Um, but this is something that, that generally anyone can, can use. And what we're finding right now that's really interesting is, you know, the modern adult, like Steph said, is, you know, having their parents take it and their children <laughs> take it. And so then we're getting kind of the, the whole family, you know, taking this molecule. Um, the other, you know, people that may want to take this are, let's say you take omega-3s, right? Which is, you know, one type of omega-3 is one of the other essential fatty acids, but you don't like the fish, the oil, the, you know, it gives you gastric upset. They're huge yep. pills, things like mm-hmm. that. You know, you could take this being another, you know, essential fatty acid that has similar a little different, but similar um, properties and doesn't, you know, give you gastric upset, you know, and taste bad because this, you know, it's a powder that doesn't smell or taste. The other set is people like that are looking for, you know, molecules to improve longevity, like NAD or resveratrol, you know, those all have interesting research associated with them. But this is another molecule, like Steph mentioned, that hit those, you know, pathways associated with, you know, benefits for longevity and aging. Which I think everybody's looking for those, right? Yeah. Longevity, like help with longevity and aging. It's like kind of the the uh, the unicorn out there that everyone everyone hopes they can catch. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, I mean it's it's you know one of the it's it's hard. It's almost even hard, like saying answering you know t- having this conversation with regard to it's doing this and it's doing this and not making it sound like. The back of a green tea bag and you know it's too good to be true and you know so it's it's our goal has been continue to follow the science if there is continues as long as there continues to be support that this has a benefit you know to individuals to global health then you know we're continue to grow the company it's been it's been amazing and you know again going back all the way to the dolphins and I think it just lent itself a lot to you know, the value of science, the value of finding this amazing population, the value of advanced technologies we didn't have. It's been almost a hundred years since the last vitamin was discovered. And the best way to think about C15 is it's like a new vitamin. And so that's why your question of who benefits most from it, it's like, well, everyone needs vitamin A and yeah. they need vitamin D. So it's, it's, yep. that's kind of the way to think about it. And, and it's still like hard for us, like it's as scientists and physicians to be like, it's for everybody and it does everything. But right now, you know, it's, it seems to be quite encouraging. That's great. 
So looking forward, you guys have this really exciting product, I guess, and discovery kind of on your hands. What do you think the next five to 10 years hold for, for the company and maybe other ways that the tech, you know, that the, um, the discovery may allow you to spin off other companies even? Yeah. So our, our goal now is to create a global movement around, you know, C15 and these odd chain saturated fatty acids to, you know, change the paradigm of, you know, what we thought about saturated fats and have the world realize that some of these are actually good for you and some of these are essential. So that's going to take a while, but you can see, you know, we're doing a podcast now. You know, there's a <laughs> lot in the literature. The scientific publications are mounting and there's some amazing ones that I kind of want to talk through. In a minute. But, but, you know, that is the goal. So right now we have a direct to consumer product which is the only way to get this, which is great. And, you know, that's called Fatty 15, which as Steph mentioned, you know, we we didn't know whether we wanted to name it that, but we wanted to get people to start talking about fats, which was great. Our ingredient is near 100% pure uh, C15 that doesn't smell, it doesn't taste. So it leads itself very well to be put in other products like a bar, like cereal, like milk, like things like that. And so, you know, you'll see this as an ingredient uh, in the future. And that ingredient is called FA15 or fatty acid 15. So, you know, in the next couple of years, we'll see that coming out. And then we're also moving forward with the pharmaceuticals. So the studies, you know, we started this out on a very pharmaceutical pathway um, and we have some great, you know, um, results with, you know, this molecule treating different diseases like non-alcoholic steatohepatitis and, and anemia and things like that. And so we're continuing with those clinical trials. Um, the COVID put a little wrinkle in the speed of those clinical trials. Um, so we're really happy Jeff Schwimmer is working on um, one at Rady Children's, um, but you'll see that in the future as well. And so developing this molecule for multiple uses on the pharmaceutical side, that would be, you know, for a deficiency syndrome, as we kind of discussed, and also for treating specific diseases. Yeah. And, and you know, and for, for us, I think, I know that the seeing this movement has, it's already happening. So for example, if you look at, you know, scientific literature focusing on C15, on average, there were like 2.6 articles per year for the last seven years. Last year, or this year in 2020, we came out with our paper in 2020. In 2021, there've been 18 papers published so far. And this includes from Cambridge and Hopkins, Johns Hopkins and Harvard, um, all coming out with um, really remarkable um, studies um, supporting that the benefits of, of C15. So it, it's incredibly um, exciting to see the world work on C15. Uh, for me, it's like, I, I think that one of the, hallmarks of success over the coming, you know, 10 years, five years, 10 years, is that if this all continues to, to, you know, show what we're seeing today, that, you know, folks like with the um, American Academy for Pediatrics currently recommends, you know, as every child turns two, that they should move off of whole fat milk and onto low and non-fat. And again, it, we need to make sure the science continues to be there to support it. But if it does, if it, we go back to basically just kids and being able to stay on whole fat milk, having that available in the schools to prevent C15 deficiencies, oh my goodness, like that's a life well lived. 
you know. Um, and, you know, some of those studies that came out recently have been really like long uh, longitudinal studies of 16 years or more looking at very large populations of people. And one in particular found that, you know, people with higher levels of C15 in their blood were less likely to have cardiovascular disease and were less likely to die from any cause. Wow. And so that's the that's not just the first, there's more and more of those, which is really interesting. When you look at people who live in longevity zones, you know, zones where people live longer, those people tend to have higher levels of C15 in their blood. And as Steph mentioned, when you look at long-lived mammals, dolphins, you know, whales, people, you know, chimpanzees, all that compared to mice, worms, and flies, those animals that live longer have higher levels of C15 in their blood and in their cells. So yeah, the literature is, is continuing to be sportive and exciting. That's exciting. It's not just, you know, a, a thing that you guys are going to benefit from, but it's something that the world's going to benefit from. It's a very admirable cause. Yeah. Um, I, it's, it's, it's the driver you know, is why <laughs> having a yeah. startup is has its ups and downs for sure. Everyone who's been through it knows it. Um, but you know, the, the ups and downs of a startup have, have been, all of it, every down's been surmountable because of, you know, the potential to do something really good for the world. Um, do well and do good. <laughs> yeah. And I will share one anecdote about my mom because we talk about on a global population basis, my totally biased mother. And so she started taking fatty 15 and it was really interesting. You know, she noticed um, a lot of benefits, but what was interesting is she said, she shared that um, she used to nap two to three hours a day because um, she's like, I'm getting older and I'm tired all the time. And she started taking fatty 15 and she doesn't have to nap so much anymore. And she sleeps really well at night. And the way she characterized it is that C15 has given her her life back because instead of sleeping, she's out doing things, she's gardening and enjoying life. And, and if we're able to do that for, for my mom, that means everything in the world. But if that's, a, that's that. enough of the success right there. I would think yeah. <laughs> there. you help your mom. That's, that's all that you need to feel like you did something. Right. Mission accomplished. Mission yeah. accomplished. Yeah. That's everything great. Else is still over. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. I've got, I've got one more question, but before I do, I'm going to turn the attention back to the beers yeah. real quick. Eric, I think I saw you take a, a sip of a couple of them, Steph. I don't think you've had any chances to drink the beer, but I, I'm curious to know if you guys have a favorite or if you have any thoughts about the beers at all. I I, I like all of them, genuinely. I, I wouldn't say that if that wasn't the case. Um, the sour, I'm totally digging because, I, like I said, I love the sours, yet it has this tropical bent to it yep. that isn't typical of sours. Um, so I enjoy that very much. Um, and then I have a feeling. Yeah, I like the coffee yeah. roasted stout. I'm wondering whether I should start my morning with this instead of regular <laughs> coffee. Uh, I've had a few sips of it. I thought the same thing. Like, oh, this would be so good in the morning. But then you think to yourself, like, you can't have a beer in the morning, though. That's not a, that's not acceptable. Or can you? <laughs> but I, I would agree with you, Steph. I like the the ghosts. That's my that's my pick as well. The sour, which mm. it's kind of refreshing. It seems like it'd be a, a good beer to have, like. In San Diego here, we kind of get warm weather year round. So maybe it's like a good year round, some like San Diego type of a beer, but yeah, that's my, that's my pick as well. But I think they're all great. Yeah, Thank you. Thank we you will so keep much. enjoying them. <laughs> so, okay. The last question I had, um, curious, you, you guys, I think you have a good, pretty good feel for the San Diego life science ecosystem, kind of given the history of UCSD, then you, you've kind of, you obviously worked, um, with Navy dolphins, which is something that you can't do anywhere else. 
you've been benefited from having experts in all these different areas that you're able to kind of leverage to to then start a company that that seems like it's heading in a really exciting direction. Uh, just curious to get your take on on the San Diego life science ecosystem. Yeah, we are we are very fortunate for a variety of reasons. One, because there is one, yep. <laughs> and it's you know it's expanding, it's growing. I, I just just as an example. You know, we actually won the Behringer Ingelheim Innovation Award, um, which gave us free lab space at Biolabs. Okay. And so we still use it today. We have a chemist working there, John, who's incredible. Um, and I mean, how many other cities where you have a lab like that, you know, at your disposal, who's willing to give you free lab space for a while? And so, right. You know, and it's it's a really good lab. They do a great job. Um, and that's just, it's just an example of, you know, what is available to you. And so as Steph mentioned, you can reach out to some of the world's leaders in different areas at UCSD and Salk and others, and you have the equipment to be able to do that, the facilities. Um, and so it's, San Diego is a pretty amazing place to be entrepreneurial in the biotech uh, sphere. Yep. And I've noticed that your dog has joined the podcast here. Was it, is the dog jealous of the beer that we're having? Maybe yeah, uh... I, she's leaning in. She's leaning into the sour. I have to say she might agree with us. <laughs> That's great. Is she, she's the third person on the team, right? She is. Yeah. And then we have our fourth, which is our, our 13 year old son, um, Ben, who's, who's actually been amazing. He helps us with ads and he's. Oh, how cool is that? It's a true family business. Um, yeah. So it's been, it's been great. Yeah. It's amazing how easy it is to use, you know, advanced software when you're 13 compared to when you're my age. Yeah, no kidding. It probably yeah. comes second nature to him and it would take right. a several hour training session for me or for right. most, most adults. Right. Well, well, uh, well, Steph and Eric, I really appreciate you guys making time to come on the podcast. So thanks so much. And uh, also really excited to see where the company goes. Great. Thank Daniel, thanks so much. It. Thanks for the beers and, and a wonderful conversation. Yep. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Visit biotechandbreweries.com to stay up to date on the latest episodes.